Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Marks. I'm Samantha Rulo, uh, guesting in from Bustle. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah. We're back for Back to the Future Part 2, directed by Robert Zemeckis again. Same same writers and directors before, Zemeckis and Bob Gill. Came out 22nd of November 1989, so like four years later. The number three movie of 1989. Hmm. Not the yeah, number we'll one movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not the number one. 1989. Well, Batman probably beat it. Probably. But I mean, think about that Batman came out the same year as this. I remember thinking that it seemed like forever for the sequel to Back to the Future to come out. I mean, granted, I was only like five when the first one came out, but it seemed like it was a long wait. You're like, oh shit, I'm nine. I can yeah. fully appreciate this. <laughs> Twice as old as I was last time I saw it. I don't know. I feel like four years is still a pretty long time. Yeah. At least now. Mm-hmm. Well, especially since, you know, I don't even know if we were really like clamoring for a sequel like we would be today. But you needed to know where they were going. They didn't need roads. It, true. Too now, true. Now they'd be talking about the Back to the Future cinematic universe and it would just be horrible. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, should we uh, do our opening statements? Sure. Uh, why don't you go first, Benji? Okay. Uh, well, man, it was weird watching this. I mean, in my memory of this movie, like I love the future stuff and the, the whole 50s kind of redux stuff. I was just like, eh. But then when I watched it this week, I felt like it was completely the opposite. Uh, to me, like almost everything in the movie before they go back to 1955 is just it feels cartoonish, like mm-hmm. kind of like like overdone. Uh, like all the characters just kind of feel like they're, they're flanderized. Uh, and there's this kind of like sequel vibe to it where there's like a lot of like winking at itself and being like, Hey, remember this type of thing. Um, but then every, as soon as they go back to the fifties, I really love everything from there on. Um, uh, it's really neat seeing stuff from the first movie, kind of like different angles and different perspectives on it. It made it seem just completely real that you could have go back and see the same scene again from a different angle. It's like, oh, yes, of course, that totally happened. It's, it's just movie magic at its finest, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm probably like most people where I remember the future stuff the most, but I think the time trial hijinks in the past is really where this movie shines, like the kind of multiple versions of the characters running around. I think that is kind of the true calling card. Uh, I'd say the, that's where it starts feeling like a movie, not just a product like the first half of it. Hmm. Those are my thoughts. What about you, Samantha? Um, I was actually something really similar. I definitely remembered, like, in my head, I thought, like, almost the entire movie was in 2015, and that they were going to be 50s for, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> and I thought that, like, I liked the future stuff better because of the hoverboards. And then when I was actually watching it, I loved revisiting the 50s way more than the 2015. I hated everything about the alternate, like, sideways 80s. <laughs> and... I was just like, why did I so? I guess like the hover. Honestly, I think the hoverboards were that memorable to kids that I thought the entire movie was 2015, and then to me, like all the important, like all the important things actually happened again in the 50s, mm-hmm. and it was like mm-hmm. way more interesting with the parallels to me than anything else in the future besides the hoverboards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty much in agreement that like we all just weighted the 2015 stuff in our in our memories more. I think the um just to cut in, I think the the vision of the future is still fun. It's just like what actually happens plot wise there. Yeah, yeah, it's you just know. like not much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not even like a a narratively like like heavy reason. I mean, it could have been solved with like a like a pep talk, you know, there in the driveway. 
you know, especially since Marty's initial concern is that he and Jennifer might grow up to become assholes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, some of it was fun with the, just the vision and the depiction of the future. There's a little bit of that, like, where's my fucking jetpack on Wii from now? Um, but I just got to say, like, the 50s stuff, at first I was groaning, and then I just started to love it. Because like you said, it keeps going, and it becomes like playing a game of mousetrap, because it's just almost continuous as Marty's going through this thing where nobody's observing. He's a ninja. Yeah. He's basically <laughs> a fucking ninja, as he's like incepting the original movie, in a way. I mean, parts of this movie, it's just fucking straight up zany. Um, and then something about... Any other movie, I would have hated it, and I have hated it in other movies, but it just ends with a trailer for the next movie. And somehow that seemed, I don't know, bold to me in a way I appreciated. This um, was the first after credit sequence, basically. Yeah, and they don't even wait but, for the credits. But that, have been, that wouldn't have been in the original, would it? Like, this was, like, because we were watching, like... No, that's no. that's how it, uh, yeah, that's how that's it how played in the theater. Wait, in theaters it played that whole trailer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was just, like, the new remastered version. No, no, that's that's how it was in the theaters. That's that, insane. Right? That is like truly ridiculous. When you think about if even of Clue, you had to wait for the VHS to get the uh, like, well, maybe it happened like this. No, Back to the Future Part Two, the ink isn't even dry on like the end or to be continued or whatever, and boom, you're in the old west. <laughs> well, it's crazy that they'd even already shot like they'd basically already finished the other movie then, but they had that much footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they were shot back to back. So while they were editing this one, they were shooting the third one. Hence, like copious, like drops, oh foreshadowing. Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in the dystopia Biff or Biftopia timeline, we hear about Mad Dog and shit like that. Yeah. Ah, so what are our top three scenes? Uh, I guess I'll keep the similar rotation here. Uh, so. My honorable mention is Marty on the hoverboard stealing back the almanac in the in the end there in, in the tunnel. That's just a fun sequence. Hmm. Uh, when he goes up and flips over it, that was really cool. Uh, I, like, I don't even honorable sorry. mention because, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say because I had I struggled to find three top in general. <laughs> so did I. One of the bits I liked about that sequence is that Biff actually notices him. And it's like like waiting for him. Like it's not it's time. not just totally like Marty's just sneaking around doing whatever he wants. Yeah. What I think is great about everything with Biff's car is that sometimes the mirror, the rearview mirror, comes and goes. <laughs> Let alone Biff's ability to actually see Marty. Like when he's on the walkie-talkie in the backseat, I was like pulling my hair out. <laughs> but the rest of that sequence is like it shouldn't have been as like thrilling to me as it was. You know. Yeah. I like that Biff actually got to be smart for like three minutes when he pretended he couldn't see Marty and then elbowed him in the face. Yeah. yeah. It was like the first time we've seen young Biff actually like use his brain. Yeah. Which is his elbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did so you have yeah. any honorable mentions, Marco? No, no. I kind of like Samantha. I, I, <laughs> I have three scenes. <laughs> I don't know if I fully commit them as my top three, but I have three. I felt the same way. I just, I don't know. This movie wasn't as much like giant set pieces like the first one. It was more like, you know, I don't know, yeah. less memorable small things. I mean, I feel like I'd be really cheating and just being like the entire 50s because it's just one large yeah. continuing string thing, but I didn't do that. Well, my number three, it's it's a brief moment, but I also thought it was fun when Marty is on, it's in the 50s, he's on a walkie-talkie with... Uh, Doc at the, he's at the dance and just in the background you can see 
George and Lorraine dancing and just having fun. And mm. I just thought it was like it was a really nice moment that like for once in the entire movie, like Lorraine got to enjoy herself rather than just like the hell she goes through in this movie otherwise. And so it's just mm -hmm. fun to watch them like like smiling and dancing in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, my number three was the original first hoverboard scene in the town square. <laughs> number one thing I associate with this movie always so it has been the top three. And I did forget that like um, Griff's like, you know, henchmen like attached their hoverboards to his. And that was like fun. <laughs> so I don't know. I couldn't not put that in the top just because it's the one thing that still stands out from this movie and makes me angry that people call hoverboards now what are actually segways without handles. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, my number three is just kind of vaguely the depiction of Future Hill Valley just because it's it's cartoonish in, in so many ways, but it still sticks out as something we, we like grasping at. But it's like the other side of the coin of idiocracy, which feels more real and more likely to me. Um, I don't know. So it's just like a like a vague place that I want to go. Uh, I would even go and see Jaws nineteen, where it gets really really personal. Uh, so let's see. Uh, are we on number two now? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my number two is uh, Marty rising up on the hood of the DeLorean after he jumps off of this tower there. Uh, Marco and I have a long-running joke about how that's how uh, Mad Men should have ended, with, with <laughs> Don Draper finally jumping off the, the building and mm -hmm. then rising it up on the hood of a DeLorean just mm -hmm. to completely oh, blow gosh. everyone's minds. And then, like, Twist sells you a Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, just, I don't know. That's a cool image. Uh, my number two was seeing the clock tower scene again, but from, like, a new perspective. Mm -hmm. Um if I can cheat and say both when it was the two docs interacting and then again when it was like the full scene but with new Marty running in at the end, I really liked, <laughs> I don't know, seeing it again but like with different stakes. <laughs> I, yeah, I love the way Marty comes running around the corner right right when the last shot would have ended in the first movie. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, my number two is almost exactly the same as Benji's. Um, but I, I like that little heart-to-heart, if you call it, that he has with, like, Dystopia Biff, because um, he's just pure fucking evil. Like, pure, like, swarthy, sweaty Donald Trump evil. And just the, the, the chase up the stairwell, everything to him jumping off the roof and rising up the DeLorean. It's weird how I didn't remember a lot of the, the dark Biff timeline stuff, but I still always remember that, side-by-side side with the hoverboards. Yeah, my number one is the uh, the scene where Doc Brown uses the chalkboard to explain the alternate reality and whatnot. Um, that's just like catnip to me. Anytime a movie busts out like a, a whiteboard or a chalkboard to explain alternate reality, I'm in. Like no matter what, I love those scenes. Mm -hmm. My number one was just seeing 2015 for the first time in the town square. Um, even though it was like super bright and cheesy, I don't know. They're really good at setting up like really quickly as soon as he walks out into the new world it's like immediately like a million markers that you know you're in the future and even just like little stuff like the posters of like goldie's grandson now being the mayor <laughs> and, like, yeah, great. and then his son being like a car salesman mm. i don't know they like like just being introduced to the new ver version of it yeah um hopefully we won't do this too much my number one is actually the same as benji's again <laughs> just because yeah i love it but i'm also like screaming <laughs> at the chalkboard depiction just because you saw Old Biff return to to the bright and shiny 2015. Well, um, see, they cut out a key scene where he like fades out when he comes back to the future. Yeah, which yeah. I think would have been really cool to see. Yeah, 
but I was, I, yeah, uh, I love that just something so simple or like something like a chalkboard can be used so simply to explain time when like paradoxes are at stake. And they did basically the same, same similar setup on uh, the Supergirl episode where Flash showed up on it, the explaining the alternate reality. So yeah, I was a fan of that. Uh, any complaints? Um, well, I was excited to be like, oh, yay, like part two has significantly less rape. It does not. <laughs> if anything, it increases the amount of rape. Or it's like, hey, remember when you like almost raped your mom in the first one? Why don't you watch yourself do that? <laughs> or also, um, what about when like old or no. Past Biff, future Biff. I guess the time I was confused. One of them says, say hello to your grandmother for me. And I almost threw up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in the future, oh, I think. Yeah. Future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Old Biff says to Marty's son, say hello to your grandmother for me, and then gives him this face that I, like, <laughs> crawled out of my skin. It was horrific. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, and then, like, young Biff in the 50s, like, he's straight up as, like, trying to look under Lorraine's skirt on the street. And then he just like, gets, like, super possessive. and Yeah. Like, I'm like, gonna marry you. Yeah, where he's, like, yelling at her down the street, but... I've never heard I'm, I want to marry you or I'm going to marry you be used in such a negative, terrifying <laughs> like way threatening. in my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just think about, though, somebody actually had a child with Biff to the point where there is a grandson. <laughs> also, Griff. What the fuck is Griff on? Like, how is he not in jail? I mean, he is just all, like, impulsive rage. He's completely over the top, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, he's just, like, walking PCP. Well, in that line about, like, say hello to your grandmother for me, it seems like they wrote that thinking, like, oh, he still has a crush on Lorraine or something. Like, I don't think that was intended to be creepy, but it totally was. I think it had to be a little bit. I mean, maybe it was, like, wink, wink, lecherous, but, like. It was, like, say hello to your grandmother for me and remind her of her past traumas and she's going back to therapy to go through it all over again. I'm surprised he didn't do, like, the, uh, like, the makes the V of his fingers and, like, <laughs> licks at Marty. Oh, I mean, that's how gross he is in that scene. I mean, yeah, presumably, he did get too old to, like, lie about waxing George's car. <laughs> well, my problem with, like, both of Griff and Marty Jr. is I think to make them different, they just, like, both the actors just, like, mess with their voices, but both their voices were so grating as, like, the young version. Yeah, they just seem so over the top and like cartoony, like not real people at all. Well, Marty Jr., like in the future, did they not fully go through puberty? I think he's just on cocaine. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's he's kind of like sweaty. Like, I, I just yeah. assume like if he's a coke addict, this all makes sense. Were his teeth also like different? I feel like they made his teeth different. But I, I, could have been, I know they made his eyes different, weirdly enough. I it's thought like, they only made bigger teeth, but I don't know. Another complaint I had is that Leah Thompson is constantly stuck under like age makeup for this yeah. movie. Yeah, I don't think I realized as a kid how bad the uh, the alternate present makeup is. Like, that's just hard to even look at. Oh, the, the like boobs. the the fake cleavage thing she yeah. has going. That yeah, that was really upsetting. Yeah, fake <laughs> cleavage. That was like straight up plaster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it looks like you're obviously looking at like some weird plaster you know silicon whatever mm. um also i was confused there was a guy whose makeup was so bad i thought i was supposed to recognize him like the guy giving out save the clock tower in the future future who like gave him the idea for the sports betting mm-hmm. his makeup was so 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 bad i thought it was supposed to be an agent version of someone we knew 
but then I couldn't figure out who it would be. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like I read something in the trivia about that. It's it's somebody. It might just be like one of the producers or something. But that that might be why he looks so, so weird. I was yeah. like, why would they just cast a kind like a kind of old guy if he's not important? Because the makeup was so terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. As far as complaints go, those are the main ones. Um, the only other thing is like I feel like some of the scenes, especially in the feature, felt really kind of like show offy, like especially the stuff with like all the different uh, Michael J. Foxes and the family in mm-hmm. the future meeting. It's like, it Hey, dark. look what we did. You know, like he's playing four characters at once in the same scene, but it's like, it isn't a very good scene though. <laughs> right. It's like, they're just showing off and the script isn't very good to justify it. Like, I mean, the big complaint of mine is the fact that he played his daughter. Cause that was extremely upsetting to see. What that was whole, the point of that? Visually. Yeah. And also well, like, does Jennifer not have DNA? Why couldn't exactly. she play his daughter? <laughs> exactly. Like, why does Jennifer not look like anything like her? Or she only be anything like you her. You could give her something to do. Or just throw in like a late cameo for Claudia Wells. Oh yeah, <laughs> just, there you go. Uh, but I mean, you know, I, I've always liked Elizabeth Shue, like going back to Adventures in Babysitting and her wig here was interesting. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of Elizabeth Shue, just kind of moving into general discussion, how weird is it that they went back and reshot the whole end of the last movie to open this one? Yeah. Like, I feel like this really like messed with me as a kid. It's it's almost like somebody went back and like altered time because you're like. Was this how the movie ended? You know, it's like it seems more or less the same, but suddenly it's a different actor and you might not even notice unless you really pay attention. Well, and it's it's weird, too, because it's like neutered impish Biff has his evil like reawoken by seeing Marty disappear in a flying DeLorean. Like he (laughs) he stops being like the helpful little goofball who like checks their mail and they like pat him on the head or whatever. But also Jennifer is totally cool for flying car. It's the time machine aspect that throws her. Well, but even when it, once she gets over the time machine part, obviously her first concern is just tell me all the details at my wedding. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. obviously every girl, first thing you want to know about your future is what wedding dress you wore, apparently. Well, then Come on. Why does Doc Brown have like this knockout device? Right. <laughs> like, they the what are you doing with that, Doc Brown? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not great implications for whatever this guy's. This guy is already making plutonium. Mm-hmm. Or Libyan terrorists. And he'd already said, like, oh, my other goal was to solve the other great mystery of space, like women. So I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. With my knockout device. I mean, I wanted Marty to be like, look, Doc, I get it. You're saying that Jennifer's not essential, quote unquote, to the plan. But still, could you dress it up a little bit? Could you make it sound less shitty? She is still my girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know why we brought her. <laughs> Let's just leave her in this alleyway. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so how about you leave her anywhere but on an actual dumpster? Yeah. <laughs> just unconscious on a dumpster. Like, they could have put her in the car. Mm-hmm. I like how they made the, uh, the license plate on the car a barcode. Yeah. That was kind of neat. Also, kudos for just being like, you know what? I don't have time for this fucking, like, old man makeup on Doc Brown. Yeah. I'm just going to hand wave, rip it off. <laughs> yeah, thank God we didn't have to watch him with the old makeup through the whole movie. So... I was looking at like some of the initial accoutrements of the, of the future. Power laces, I'm into it. Adjustable jacket, I'm into it. Adjustable jacket seems dumb to me. Well, especially since Marty's Marty Junior's doesn't ever work. So I wondered like, are they prone to malfunction? But still, in in in, in principle, sure, I'm into it. Neon sherbet baseball cap, little less into that. Pockets worn inside out, 
you know what? Whatever. I live through crisscross and the jump oh, jump. It's, it's supposed to be the whole pants are inside out. Is it the whole pants? Well, that's that's how the kids wear them. Marty's pants are not inside out, so he tells them to just pull his pockets out. Uh, yeah. I would pay upwards of a million dollars for the shoes to this day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want the sh- I am obsessed with the shoes. Yeah. The jacket, I think, is stupid. I'll say that. I think the self-drying feature is interesting. Yeah. If you're someone who's around water a lot, sure. I think I, the sizing is unnecessary. I would want it custom tailored or at least, you know, come in sizes. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll just like get a, a large instead of well, I mean, it, one size fits all. Like, how programmable is it, though? I don't know. I, I would I would I would do some initial investing in the technology just to see where it goes. I don't know. Like, are are you going to grow a lot while you're wearing that jacket or something <laughs> that you needed you need yeah, it, it to change a lot? It makes sense as like a economy like kids wear, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have to admire that Mar- Marty's daughter, like just for taking the time to like break her lame ass brother out of jail. Oh yeah, God. and she seemed like a very meek, shy person when we met her. So I was like, I can't imagine the next day this girl goes and breaks him out of jail. Yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, that's kind of a like balls of the wall, crazy fucking move and good for you. Uh, well, well, you know, they talk about this. Uh, it's Doc's like, oh, I traced all, everything back to this moment. This is when your life went wrong. And it's like, actually, it sounds like his life went wrong when he got in a car accident, like two days after he went to the future to begin with. Why don't you just tell That's him not like to do that? One million percent. The reason why his whole life went <laughs> yeah. wrong. Yeah. Which seemingly chicken is like the PTSD trigger word, but somehow it's like it's active in Marty prior. Yeah. Okay, my question was like, where does chicken come from? Why did they need to make that a thing so badly? Well, just, I guess I never really got, I mean, in the was first movie. Was this an 80s thing? Well, in the like, first movie, Marty is like struggling to exist. And now we find out that he will exist, but his ego is so fragile. <laughs> Masculinity is so fragile. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, but yeah, also kidnapping somebody to take and taking their place to change time. That's like a quantum leap, like, like logic. I guess it's like an 80s kind of mode of time travel where we can just kidnap people and replace them to change massive future events. Rather than just having a conversation with like Doc Brown just comes back and is like, Marty, whatever you do, don't try to raise somebody because they call you chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Whole over. <laughs> Even though you are a short guy, you're big. Yeah. <laughs> well, but also, so if that had happened to Marty where he got into this car accident, right? So this is now regular timeline marty mm-hmm. he would have already known doc and he would have the memory of traveling back in time for his parents mm-hmm. so in this scenario if doc had gone back and been like hey marty remember the time we went back and we went back to the past i'm doing that again right now don't race this guy <laughs> right and the movie right like marty would easily believe him because he did it yeah well just in general like i'm future marty i'm kind of a slob i wear two ties i work at a shitty company flee from red hot chili peppers calls me up and like talks me into embezzling from the company or whatever in the shit like shiftiest way possible at some point do i just like sit back in my chair with a glass of scotch and be like you know what i travel through fucking time no have you just never seen doc again yeah or just find doc and be like hey let's go back in time so i can not get into this car accident yeah it was also very sad that, like, Jennifer didn't pick up on it, but when she was eavesdropping on, like, future Lorraine, 
she was too busy trying to figure out what caused Marty's downfall that she did not hear Lorraine say, I think Jennifer only married him because she felt bad for him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, Jennifer, no. Yeah, like, wouldn't that on its own change the timeline? Yeah. That was very sad. She did not pick up on that. And I was like, <gasps> well, there's so much product placement in this movie, too. Like, it really stands out, especially in the future. Pepsi. Mm-hmm. The Pepsi Pizza Hut. The whole, Mexico, yeah. the whole Pizza Hut, like, uh, hydrated pizza thing. Which is gross. <laughs> yeah, that pizza not, looks thank disgusting. Thank God that's not 2015. That's really, really gross. I read a thing that said they had, like, a special Pizza Hut, like, marketing person on set to make sure they got the pizza looking just right. And it was like, and that's what you came up with? It that looks pizza like looks like fall. cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the metal, like, doesn't get warm or hot or anything. The tray. Um, so when I was watching this, I like I watched through most of the stuff before they go to Future Marty's house, and I had to pause it. So when I picked it up again, I just kind of rewound it back and started like from the general future stuff. And that's when I was like, "Oh shit, that's little baby Elijah Wood mm-hmm. giving Marty shit about having to use his hands to play a, a video game like a peasant." Oh my god! I yes, think... it's little baby Elijah Wood. That's so funny. I like how the USA Today reports on like a, a youth being arrested. And Hill the, Valley is front page news. The drone USA. I was like, um, they definitely got drones right. That was like kind of weird. Yeah. I was like, that's definitely like what's coming next for like tabloids and stuff. You know, going back to the the fragility of like masculinity, the the girl in Biff's or Griff's gang <laughs> lifts up Marty <laughs> Jr. by his scrotum. She also <laughs> looks like she's from the X Men, like yeah. her outfit and look and everything. But the other dude has like circuitry face tattoos. Well, I have a serious question that's going to sound fake. Slash <laughs> theory. Okay. What if... So I don't think that anyone would have actually reproduced with Biff mm. it, as we knew him. Agreed. Because as we knew him, he was like a combo rapist and also like sniveling, like hunched over old man. Right. Can't see anyone ever having a baby with him. He, Griff seems like bionic. <laughs> yeah, so he, he makes hoping, noises whenever he moves. So I'm assuming <laughs> that Griff is some kind of clone robot of Biff. Like a cyborg. an actual offspring. I'm I, into it. Yeah, I'm into it. Now, I mean, no one else makes robot noises when they move. Now, do you Maybe he needs the cyborg stuff because he like he wasn't a very good clone, like as a bad batch or something. Well, it was so is he is he the second clone, hence the grandpa thing, or is it just that old Biff is so old that the clone just calls him grandpa? I think it's so old that that's how he had to change his cover. Also, if you had a clone, would you still be waxing their car? <laughs> well, your clone's <laughs> pretty tough, and he throws you around, and he's kind well, of abusive. Yeah, you give your clone bionic powers, you well, gotta suffer the consequences. Also, your clone not only has a gang of like street thugs like himself, one of them is this hype man who also does sound effects for him. Yeah. <laughs> and also, your clone's wearing like a meat tenderizer for a helmet. Or like a like a futuristic like uh, uh, bicycle helmet thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, did you notice that there's a there's like a Sarah Harvey in the uh, cafe eighties? Yes. There's a girl with like platinum blonde hair just hanging out <laughs> in the background. I'm here too. <laughs> <laughs> Along with uh Michael Jackson, Gaddafi, and Ronald Reagan. <laughs> okay, that diner was like a hellscape. That was yeah. the scariest thing I've ever seen. What was those like talking puppets on the screen? Yeah. Like oh, that was that was room. an eighties thing that like yeah, that must make no sense at all. 
Well, I, I, it's kind of funny because, you know, we weren't even like five or six years into the 90s and we were already like obsessed with the 80s, like mining that culture again. And here is 89 and they're just like, <laughs> people are going to be obsessed with the 80s. Reaganism. Yeah. But I thought that like those like video screens, reading them the specials, were they supposed to be like videos of puppets? Or are they supposed to be like doctored videos like we have now of old things? Well, so there's a there's this thing called Max Headroom. Which was, was that like a TV show? Or I don't know what that was exactly. It was a TV show. It was like Matt Frewer. Matt Frewer, yeah. Um, it was this weird, it was like one of the first like computer generated things. And it was like this fake guy who like talked in like weird electronic stutters and whatnot. He was like like a TV talking head slash media terrorist or something. Okay. I mean, it, it was not weird the kind of guy then I too. Yeah. Taking my order, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I thought it was supposed to be, you know how, like, now they have the commercial with the old Marilyn Monroe footage? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was supposed to be one of those situations or, like, the Tupac hologram. But yeah. instead it was, like, a scary, like, ventriloquist dummy of Michael Jackson. <laughs> it, I was very disturbed. It's just not conducive to eating food. Yeah, I thought, like, whatever food that said to me, I would definitely not order because it would make me nauseous at that point. Yeah. Well, it's um, funny because I don't think these, like, if these people are growing up and, and living in 2015... They wouldn't know who Max Hedrum was. It'd be really freaking weird. Right. Well, also, to the point where Marty Jr. quoting Midnight Cowboy as he walks <laughs> out of there is, is also equally weird to me. Yeah, yeah. The whole, like, I'm walking here. Um, it's funny that they have all these, like, CRT television screens in the future. <laughs> Got that one wrong. I thought it was cute. I'm not going to lie. I, I legitimately thought it was kind of funny that Doc Brown changes out of the, like, Japanese cyber pimp outfit into, like, that shirt that not only has trains on it, but it looks like a kid's pajama top. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hoverboard, the whole hoverboard sequence, still cool. Mm-hmm. Hoverboards still look amazing. I definitely want one. Well, I, I, the technology has to exist. Why don't we have them? I saw a thing where I think it was Lexus did something with like super yes, cool, like conducting magnets. And they kind of do it on like a metal track. I'm convinced the technology is out there, and I want it to happen. <laughs> the parents' <laughs> companies just don't want kids to use them because they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this will be proved why we don't have flying cars, which is because it's even more dangerous than regular cars. <laughs> I know people can't even drive regular cars correctly. Let's let's have them fly. That's a good idea. I just and like, why did Doc decide to drop in in the middle of a rainstorm? Yeah. Well, why didn't they get there the day before? And like, they're like, oh, we got to hurry. You got to run over and do this. And it's like, why didn't you give yourself a little more time to get ready? Doc you, Brown's not. You about have a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also Hilldale, I have to talk about is nothing but a breeding ground for tranks, lobos, and zip heads. <laughs> I get the tranks. I gotta say I'm a little confused on the lobos and the zip heads. Zip heads does not sound like well, a nice thing to call somebody. I feel like, didn't they say pinhead in the first movie? I feel like they thought yeah, that zip head yeah. was future pinhead. Yeah. Well, they keep talking about how, like, oh, it's a bad neighborhood. It didn't look that bad to me. I don't know. I was like, not, it seems pretty normal. Not compared to when Marty lands in, like, basically Detroit in, like, the uh, future Biff or the 1980s Biff storyline. Yeah. Oh, like when people are just open firing drive-bys on high school principals? <laughs> that, that Six years after the school has been closed. <laughs> the rage is that, like, prescient. <laughs> it's like this long-running gang war between the teachers and students. And also, like, I mean, I don't think I ever want to get into, though, when Marty breaks into his what he thinks is his house. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, a very offensive, <laughs> bad situation. 
Let me just frame it this way. As shitty as that, like Biftopia storyline or as that timeline is, it's nice. It's comforting to know that Michael Jackson had the exact same recording career. <laughs> like all the same albums came out. Well, I guess it's just Hill Valley that was awful. Like the the rest of the world, well, still okay, more so or less the same. Not to rewind well, a little not, bit. No, but it said that Biff was like one of the richest men in the world. He was like famous. Like I think that if that's one of your idols, that messes <laughs> up the whole society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if like if Trump becomes president, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's basically a, a warning to what 2016 or 2017 could be like. Uh, not Trump's to rewind a little bit, but the video phone, like, are, how cool are you with the constant stats it gives you about the person you're talking to? Like, if yeah. they're married, children, hobbies, what they like and don't like to drink. Is a conversation that hard? Like, I think it, that's like a salesman tool, I think. Hmm. Well, in like an NSA world, that is very scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. But I, also, let's point out that with all that, even a lot of information, you still got to send the facts to confirm things. Facts bomb. <laughs> Faxes. Um, what, what do you think of the Chapel O' Love? I remember when I watched this as a kid and she's like, Chapel O' Love. And I was like, what? Like, I, I just didn't get it at all. It seems low class. Now. I, oh, I, I guess that's the interpretation. As a child yeah. and now. Yeah, mm, okay. it seems beneath Jennifer. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna retroactively make one of my honorable mentions. The way the two Jennifers freak out and pass out when they see each other—that <laughs> is just a dynamo of like physical acting right there. I hope that someday I see something that shocks me so much that I faint. Like after seeing this movie where everyone just faints all the time, I was like, may I someday be lucky enough? Yeah, to be so shocked that I just fall to the ground. A lot of fainting in uh, old movies. People are fainting constantly. Yeah. Okay, so when, sorry, now back to Biftopia. When they drop off Jennifer at her house, Marty actually notices the bars on the windows. He doesn't notice the smashed car, like just to the side of her porch. Not super observant. Yeah. It was that's, dark or something. That's that's a key issue of just about every character in this movie. The only thing I really like about him, like going to the, the house where the black family lives there now is there's like this like brief hint of like, they're trying to like terrorize the family to get them to move out. It's like this suggestion of like yeah. like yeah. evil gentrification. I was like, that'd be interesting to follow up on, but then they just run away. Right. There were a few little moments of like, so there was that, which was like gentrification. There was also a casual dig at the post office mm-hmm. out of nowhere. <laughs> that was like, oh, good thing the like too bad the post office isn't as reliable as the weather service. Yeah, I was like, like, it's like okay, f- fuck you, Western Union. Yeah. yeah. And there was, I forget, there was one other thing, too, that was similar, that was just, like, a very subtle dig at, like, a real thing, like, in current day, that I was like, this is, like, why are you going to casually drop that bomb in and then just never bring it up again? So, Dystopia Biff's, like, abode is, like, a Vegas-like casino that's somehow also a factory and a biker hangout, and it's, like, the most nightmare 80s thing ever, and then, if you didn't think it was a bad element enough, they actually blast Sammy Hagar. Oh god, yeah. And I think there's I a sign that says smoking uh smoking not allowed, but it's like smoking uh required, I think is what the sign said. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind the way they seeded part three into some of this stuff, but I was kind of taken aback oddly enough that like the logical detail I couldn't jump over was that Biff became a billionaire overnight at the racetrack. That just makes me wonder how how many times could he use the almanac before he changed the timeline and it was no longer valid. 
I was gonna say, I hope I know he's dumb, but I hope he was smart enough to like once in a while like lose a game <laughs> mm-hmm. to be like, don't worry, guys, I'm not cheating because like yeah, Vegas just killed in him. real life. Like two like two sports events in, someone's coming after this guy to be like, okay, who are you talking to? Who's throwing it for you? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you can place a bet big enough to in a short amount of time become a billionaire at the racetrack no he said i think you can if you do like the full trifecta and stuff there's ways with the odds okay well it's like the whole thing with the card counters who go to vegas and then like eventually like some some like back room like hoodlums come out and just beat the crap out of you you know yeah exactly but then biff becomes not just donald trump but like he becomes like the most elvis presleyized donald trump ever too Real I was going to also say That's okay, one way I think oh sorry one way they could have prevented this whole future without interacting with anyone really is like why didn't they just go back to that first horse race somehow sabotage it mm-hmm. you know like mm. drug the jockey whatever he thinks the book is bullshit oh, I like that. end of movie yeah he's just like ah oh, stupid book mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah real quick I'm just looking at the TV that Marty Jr. is watching in the future with like six channels. The breast enlargement channel. One of the channels is like an advertisement for inflatable breast enlargements. Yeah. What the hell? So that must be what Lorraine had. Uh, Yeah. But it's like it's like dark foreshadowing to Lorraine's nightmare breasts. Um, which you know, and the 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 bright spot in all of this like like dark Biff stuff is the laugh I had at Billy Zane as like the Texan thug. I, I hope he puts this on every, like, uh, you know, like, sizzle reel he has. All these bikers, and then there's, like, a tank rolling through town. Yeah. Well, also, do you guys notice that, um, just like how in the first movie, or in this movie, too, I guess, the 50s henchmen had 3D glasses. Yes. In the 80s, the same guy still had updated 3D glasses. <laughs> yes. I think <laughs> that's his, his name is just 3D in the mm-hmm. 90 I think. Mm-hmm. Still his signature look. That guy really, he committed. He's like, this is my thing for the next 30 years. I think, though, like the Biftopia stuff kind of ties into your theory, Sam, because like, it's not like any of the kids. They're all George's kids. Like Biff's like very well may be sterile. Yeah, even in this world where he's the richest person alive, has all these women around him, no children. Yeah, exactly. And of course, George McFly is buried in like a Halloween cemetery near a power plant. Marty was really over overdoing it when he found that grave. Yeah, like it was almost like they like forgot to yell cut, and so he just kept going and going. <laughs> like, oh well, God! Two days before, him and his dad became best friends in the fifties over mm-hmm. you know being peeping toms together. Mm. So it was even more emotional for him. Yeah, George died on the Ides of March, nineteen seventy three. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that was all because uh, Crispin Glover, he didn't want to be in the movie. <laughs> and then sued because of the use of the footage of himself in this mm-hmm. movie. And I think settled out of court. Which... Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, this is basically also like Marty's plan. Like this is what he wanted to do. Only like Biff beat him to it. Yeah. I was also wondering, I don't know. I guess I have too many questions about this movie. Um but, like, the whole point of why they go to the future is because Doc wants to stop the bad things from happening to Marty. But, like, wasn't Doc's whole philosophy in the first movie you can't change things no matter how bad they seem? Exactly. Well, Doc is all over the place in this movie. He's He wants to go change the future some more. And then suddenly he's just like, no, nah, I'm going to destroy this time machine mm-hmm. after I figure out women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And also, I'm pretty sure he had a hidden agenda that I think his whole purpose is really to make himself not go to institution. Like, I don't think he <laughs> gave a shit about what actually happened to Marty. Because at the end, he's like, ha, mission accomplished. When his newspaper changed, so I don't think he actually cared about Marty. Wouldn't wouldn't it feel more emotionally true if at the end of the third movie it's revealed that Doc is like the secret villain of all this? <laughs> That'd be interesting. I just feel bad for Leah Thompson having to constantly do these like old lady accents through the whole movie and wear all this makeup. Yeah. Like why or, does she talk so weirdly in, in the present and the future, you know? Or just the like let's let's give you mannequin boobs. Ah. <laughs> uh. Let the record show that in real life, Leah Thompson aged great. Mm -hmm. She looks nothing like future <laughs> versions of Lorraine. Right. No bad perm. Well, and even even Michael J. Fox. Like, it's kind of the thing I think people were really worried about, like, the end of Harry Potter, too, though. Like, how old do you want to make those kids look in that flash forward? Because they always overdo it. I mean, look what happened to Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah. Uh, but I like that, like, the, the denouement of, like, Part 3 is visible here with Biff watching... Is it a few dollars more in the hot tub with uh, the trashy girls? Fistful of dollars. Fistful of dollars, okay. Yeah. Shouldn't he at least, like, again, like we were talking about at the end of the first one, shouldn't, like, 1980s Biff recognize Marty as the shithead who fucked up his life in 1955? <laughs> so she says we'll find out, I guess, I don't know how the timeline meshes here, but, like, Marty came back in time to fuck up his life even more than we realized. That's true. <laughs> I did like Doc Brown's uh, his, like, little briefcase of period accurate money. Yeah. I remember that always delighted me as a kid. I was like, ooh, money. <laughs> <laughs> you, were a, you were quite the nine-year-old. Oh, well, um, yeah, exactly. I really love that we got to see Marvin Barry again. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if we would. And then we even got to see him dial the phone. I was so disappointed I was we didn't get to hear it again. I was like, come on, I say know. it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they realized how iconic that moment would become. <laughs> well, Marty in the past, like he, he gets the most ridiculous disguise, which I feel like almost works if he just ditches the hat. Like it's just like a leather jacket at that point. With his amazing spycraft. Well, he's following Biff like six feet behind him. It's like, dude, hang well, back a little bit. I felt like they needed to do a reshoot where Doc Brown was like, Marty, don't worry. Biff has no peripheral vision. Like, <laughs> you could just be right up on him. He's actually deaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the walkie-talkie was ridiculous. He's actually mentally handicapped. This he's is actually like, really cruel. He's like two feet behind Biff in the car, and he's just like, Doc, come in. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, Biff could hear the static when they were in the tunnel, but he couldn't hear when Marty was yelling into the walkie-talkie <laughs> when it was not static. Yeah. Yeah. I like old Biff correcting young Biff. Like, it's leave, you idiot. I, I like that. Yeah, old I, Biff somehow became wise or something and realized what a dipshit he was. Yeah. Um, I had a chuckle because Biff's grandmother, unseen grandmother, sounds exactly like the mama from Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> I did like the, uh, the switcheroo with the, uh, the ooh la la book. I remember yeah. that. That was a good fake out. Like, yeah. it, it even, like, faked me out again when I was watching it. So I was like, isn't there something with that magazine? I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I forgot about that, too. So, so Strickland's special, speciality at the school is just, like, discipline. Like, yeah. just straight up <laughs> discipline. I feel like he's, like, one boozy coffee away, or two away from, like, being Dolores on bridge. <laughs> yeah. And also, he was just casually sitting there, like, flipping through the boob magazine, drinking the, at, the, at the school during the dance. Mm-hmm. 
He's, he's over gotta, it. He's got to recharge. Maybe he actually has been through a drive-by. He seems like he, he acts like he's already been through that kind of... He's already that over it. I love that he had a bulletproof vest on over his, like, bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so we're going to talk about... We see in the 50s that Biff and his friends, like, spike the punch. Mm-hmm. In the first movie, we see George drink some punch. So I, I have to wonder, like, is some of George's, like, courage just that he was buzzed? Liquid courage, yeah. Yeah. I can see uh, that. I also really like that at that point, Marty was really admiring his own guitar work from the mm. audience. <laughs> yeah. He was really impressed with himself. Yeah, really. It's like he ran back to the school. It's like he should have just run away at that point. But he's just like, oh, I just got to go check up on myself again. Mm. There's gotta a fu- make sure I'm inspiring John- Johnny B. Good still. Yeah. There's a funny moment where he's like, he he's creeping past the cars and he's like suddenly right next to himself. And his old self says, I'd like to have that in writing. And then like, like current Marty's like, yeah, me too. Like he's like agreeing with himself. <laughs> I feel like Marty does that a lot though. Mm-hmm. Like in the modern version of this, after all, like the uh, like hot take think pieces about <laughs> appropriating like black culture through music, Marty would have like I don't know chastised himself verbally for stealing Johnny Be Good, but nope, here he's just like yeah, still got it, had it, whatever. It was like a day ago to him. Yeah, yeah, or really even less that, than that. Yeah, I really wish that they had like had him run past Marvin and been like, don't forget to call your cousin Chuck. <laughs> Well, first I thought there was a a broken like time loop with him like attack like if he wasn't there the first time to like stop the the other henchmen from attacking him on stage, mm. then how did he get out of it the first time? But the only reason they're there is because he hangs around and runs into them. So right, the timeline is conserved. Right. Yeah. I I thought there was a broken time loop with the number of times the one guy says, "I think he stole his wallet." <laughs> that guy, I think he stole his wallet. I wonder if that guy's like a friend of somebody, like the director or something. Maybe he's the guy with the old man makeup saving the clock tower in 2015. Maybe that's mm. about as No, it could be. I did think it was funny how they basically managed to work in like the greatest hits from part one. Mm. They're just like, oh, he's going to do the, uh, the punch out scene and then the guitar scene and then the time travel. It's all in there. Mm-hmm. Honestly, more sequels should do that. Then at least you know you're going to enjoy parts of it. <laughs> Yeah. Just figure out ways to show those scenes again. Can you just imagine if like part three had been like them somehow coming back to this yet again? <laughs> like the Rube Goldberg <laughs> time travel like movie. Three different Martys, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I have one other complaint or a small thing. Just to add to the rapiness again. <laughs> um, did either of you guys happen to notice when they quickly cut to Biff's wedding video in his museum montage? Um, just, uh, Lorraine being like completely like, like at gunpoint, basically. Is that what you're referring to? She was like a zombie Mm -hmm. and it was really, really upsetting the way he grabbed her and kissed her. She was like dead behind the eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lorraine dressed like Jackie O too. Yeah. She's been on pills like since the seventies. He gives her like the grossest kiss too. It's like a lick. Well, yeah, there's, there's tongue. And her mouth was like so closed. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you don't even want to think about like what he had to do to make that happen. You know, is he like blackmailing her? Like, what is going on? Just a level of obsession with her alone is fascinatingly like weird. But I mean, like in that timeline, I'm sure that there's like some like 
Gordon Gecko and suspenders out there who's just like, that's the man. That's who I want to be. I want to know what started his obsession with her originally in the 50s. Because you could argue that by this alternate 80s, it was because of all the rejections from her that became like, you know, a thing. Mm-hmm. But what made him have to, you know, assault her in the cafeteria and then on the street and then in the car? Like, I don't know. I'm sure there was a girl who liked him. Come on. Yeah, I mean, you're like a big dumb jock. Come on. Right. He's a big dumb popular jock. Like, I'm sure there was a girl who would have gone to the dance with him with consent. Well, even even Griff is like presumably consensual friends with a woman in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah and even even Biff can't get together. But I always wondered, like, in the first movie, when George is like doing his peeping Tom in the tree thing, could that be Lorraine? Like, are we really just like rooting for one pervert over another? I thought it was Lorraine. Yeah, I mean, that, I I don't know if I ever really like saw anything above like the bra. So I, I it probably yeah, is I'm not her. Sure. Because he ends up falling like in front of her house or whatever. Mm-hmm. True. Kind of creep. Plus, he was in her family's tree looking at the girl across the street. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's also I really liked how um, when Marty wakes up in Parallel eighty eighty five, it's like an exact parallel of the scene when he wakes up in her room in the fifties <laughs> in the first movie. Mm-hmm. That was great. I forgot. It was like at first it was like word for word. It was great. Not enough sexual tension. Whoa, like <laughs> well, this time it was the boobs instead of sexual tension. Well, I was gonna say like record scratch weird boner of like those mannequin boobs jutting out of the shadows at him. You know, like I he mean, wanted to be like, "Mom, you're so hot." They couldn't just get like a push-up bra. I don't know. Like, oh, I think it God. had to be gross, though, didn't it? I guess. Yeah. I, don't know. I think that in this Biff led world, sexualization of women has taken a turn even more so, and it's just. His ideal woman is now how plastic surgeons do surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if I were the Western Union guy at the end, I had a lot more questions. Yeah. I mean, like, you were told 70 years ago to deliver this, and the dude's actually there. What if Western Union had gone out of business in those 70 years? That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> now, what do they do? Well, you had this guy show up. It's such a cool time travel thing. I got this letter. I'm supposed to show up. Blah, 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 blah. Like, Marty's like, yes, let me open this letter in the rain and just watch the ink <laughs> run. Do you think you can do that at a post office now? Just, like, go to them and be like, can you deliver this in 70 years? I think we need to go try. Yeah. I feel like they would be like, hey, Marty, but now you also owe us $1,000 because <laughs> we charged him two pennies to hold it for 70 years. <laughs> and in today's conversion rate, that is now a million dollars. <laughs> Uh, all right well you want to do a make one change uh i don't know if the movie needed more or less of like hijinks of them ensuring that the first movie's ending happened i don't know what else you could squeeze in there but yeah i think i would have just raised the stakes in 2015 more i don't know i forgot how 2015 is just all set up it's like nothing actually like you said, like it's an information he could have gotten from Doc in a conversation in front of the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I wish there had been something a little more pressing happening there besides hoverboard chases. Well, like Marty's like, what's the matter, Doc? Do we grow up to be assholes? And like Doc Brown is just like, yeah, you do. <laughs> don't do that. Movie over. I don't need any roads. You don't know. Yeah, I think my change would be find a better motivation for Marty than not liking being called chicken. Like it just seems so flimsy. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was out of nowhere. It's not like he had that in the first movie. And I don't think any scene where that happens 
needed that to happen. Like, they could have just said that he got into a drag race, didn't have to be because of chicken. Mm-hmm. And he could have just fought Biff because, like, you know, we could have insulted his mom again or whatever. Like, I don't know. It didn't have to always be chicken. Yeah. It's yeah, it's like a gimmick. It's there weird no... kryptonite. I feel like they want, they just need, like, they're like, oh, we need a new catchphrase. Like, the mm-hmm. first movie had all these normal quotes. What's, what's a new one we can invent? Mm-hmm. I don't think it really took off either. Do you notice in the, like, the trailer for the, the next movie, it shows Marty, like, kissing Jennifer in present day, like, spoiling mm-hmm. the whole movie, basically? Yep. <laughs> like, don't worry, he gets back. Or, like, don't worry about that poor girl we've just, like, left around. I don't trust that Jennifer will be magically, like, delivered to the new fixed timeline. I think Jennifer's going to have a lot to work out in therapy for the rest of her life due to this little six-hour adventure. I yeah, Like, what if I, she starts, like, like having dreams of her alternate self? Like, just, like, weird nightmares. She doesn't know how to explain them. Memories, she doesn't know why she has them. Well, not to mention, if she still does end up with Marty, she's going to question the rest of her life. <laughs> Did I end up with him because I wanted to or because I knew it was just a fixed point in my future? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or because I felt bad for him. Yeah. Because I still felt bad for him. Which, you know, it's time travel. I think there's some interesting questions and some like narrative, narrative interesting stuff there. Like, I feel like the inevitable remake reboot of this should maybe just be a TV show. That could get complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It could. Just to solve a different part of his past every week or whatever. I, I guess, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you want to do uh, power rankings? Yeah. I have 10 people again. Yeah, I did 10. I have 10, but like some are, some are tied. All right, well, you get off. Um, my number 10, and, and ugh, it haunts me, is Biftopia timelines like Lorraine's boob job. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, my number 10 is 80s Biff Donald Trump, because... It was just too much. <laughs> it was really like every the implications of what living in society would be like were just so troubling. Mm-hmm. Oh man, and it was just so the grossest he's ever been. Yeah, yeah. My number ten is the uh, the angry dad from the alternate timeline who Marty barges <laughs> in on his family. I just I don't know. I just like that guy being like, you know, you tell them I'm not gonna be terrorized by you. It's like, yeah, he's, he's standing up for himself. <laughs> and he telegraphs those swings. <laughs> uh, my number nine is Dystopia Biff, the the dark eighties version. Um, my number nine is Needles. <laughs> I don't understand who he is. I don't understand how Marty got fired ten seconds later, or what they did on that phone call. Right. I don't understand why Jennifer seemed to recognize him and say like Needles. Exactly. So, exactly. I don't. I don't understand. Like he shows up and you're like, wait, was that a character in the last movie? Did I forget yeah, something? Exactly. Was he the man in the bad makeup at the end? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they act like needles. It's like, oh yeah, it's needles. And you're like, okay, was was that like a character in the first movie I forgot about? Like Marty's friend or something? Well, what a weird musician cameo in the first place, too. Like, I almost feel like they should have brought back Huey Lewis, you know, rather than flee from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Please explain to me also why, how Marty got fired in that situation. Like, all he did was talk to him on the phone. I don't understand. He does something. It's like, scan your credentials, or I don't even know what. It's like, it, it's, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's, I, I took it as to be something akin to, like, bezzling or insider trading or something. 
something businessy and wrong. Well, and then he had like the whole like kind of like xenophobia, like, oh no, you're working for Asian people. You know, that that was very popular in the late nineties, I remember that. Or just the late eighties too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see, uh, my number nine is just alternate Lorraine. Oh, alternate Lorraine. I feel so bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number eight is young 1950s Biff, but because I had forgotten about him, I'm tying him with Griff. Because <laughs> they're basically shadows of each other, like across time, and it's, it's so depressing. I mean, Griff... It reminds me of like young Biff if he's drank like all the energy drinks, you know, like and, all and the red cocaine, bowl. yeah, yeah, and cocaine. Um, oh yeah, my number eight is future Marty, like, <laughs> like old, old man, Marty. old man, um, yeah, married to Jennifer and the sad hand injury Marty. <laughs> I don't know. It was just it, it's like it was like original timeline George in the first movie, like when him and Lorraine are really unhappy, it's just like so sad and pathetic that it's painful to see. Yeah. Well, there's almost like a weird message there where like left to your own devices. If you stop changing the timeline, your family's all is going to end up kind of like dysfunctional and like full of losers or something. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, even once uncle Joey is still uh, in jail in that timeline. <laughs> My number eight is Jennifer. Um, poor Elizabeth. She has nothing to do in this movie pretty much. Uh, I mean, she's like passed out for like half her scenes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel bad that she didn't have more of a plot. Uh, my number seven is old, regular, future Biff, who may or may not have a clone. Um, because also because I forgot about him, I wanted to tie him with uh, past and present Strickland or past and alternate present Strickland just because. I liked him so much more in this movie. He, he, I mean, he was weird, but he was like interesting weird with the, the boozy drink, um, and the ooh la la magazine to the, like you said, the uh, bulletproof vest and like the Hill Valley Detroit alternate timeline. Uh, I don't know. Just in something about old regular future Biss wardrobe still cracks me up. That, like the plaid pants and the like crushed velvet shirt. <laughs> how high they're pulled up like his wig is actually like a really good wig for for some of the other hair you know in i feel like his too. is the only old makeup that works because i actually went and checked i wasn't totally sure if that was the same actor or not hmm. yeah i think he was most convincing but i don't like this because you see him first as an old man in the first movie so i feel like we also kind of like associate him more with that hmm. look yeah mm-hmm. true uh, my number seven is a tie between Marty Jr. and Griff, the cyborg. <laughs> they are, I think, uh, a good protagonist-antagonist pair because they're both terrible and annoying, and I hated them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if they kill each other. They were both terrible. Although, obviously, Griff can't die because he's a cyborg. It's true. It's hard to feel much sympathy for Marty Jr. there. It's like, I oh, you're peer pressured into lo- robbing a place or something. Yeah. Yeah, until, like... A gang? No, I don't. It was dumb. Yeah, you're right. He's just stupid. Uh, um, my, my number okay. seven is uh, alternate Strickland, Strickland <laughs> in a bathrobe with a shotgun and like a bandolier, <laughs> still fighting the good fight against the kids, even though there's no school anymore. 
I don't know what he does for money, but. <laughs> well, like, what do they do for education? Is there an education? <laughs> what is happening in that timeline? Um, my number six is just hoverboards. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, my number six is Strickland. What a combo. I like, you know, 50s one. I like that we saw that he was just not given a fucking drinking back in the 50s. Right. I like that in the 80s, he's not given a fucking shooting people. <laughs> he's just over it. Well, he's, he's like. Over it in all timelines. He's like, I know two things, like discipline and like smelling slackers. <laughs> uh, my number six is young Biff. I mean, he's horrible, but I did like the bit where he throws the kid's ball like up over uh, <laughs> the top of the house. <laughs> it was so immature. I loved it. Uh, my number five is the sexy future cops. Um, I found out that's apparently uh, Mrs. Roberts and Meckis is one of them. But mm-hmm. also, I just had a good laugh at the line, you should be more careful in the future. Yeah. It's so on the nose that it's hilarious to me. Like, ballpark, how many times did they say the exact phrase back to the future in this movie? That's what I was wondering. They say it a lot. I think they say it like once in the last movie. And yeah. I feel like it's like once per scene this time. <laughs> Um, and, like, turn five. the camera and wink. <laughs> my number five was Jennifer. Okay. Too nice for her own good. Don't marry someone because you feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. They keep rocking the floral pants. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, <laughs> just like, oh, we'll just leave you on this porch for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I felt, I put her high because, you know, she's not bad, but I feel like, you know. Yeah. I enjoy, you know, good fainting pose. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm just saying, like, the fact that Marty may or may not actually remember his altered timeline from the end of the first movie, like, he's just enjoying the the benefits of it, still does not fulfill me with confidence that Jennifer is just magically transported to a brand new timeline from that porch. Well, like, what if they, like, they'd have, like, some inside joke he wouldn't get anymore or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my number five is Young Lorraine. Uh, I mean, she really only has one scene other than like the dancing, but at least she gets to tell Biff off. Uh, my number four is the DeLorean. Uh, it's it's such a cool, like like memorable time travel vehicle yet again. And now, I mean, you have like old regular future Biff gets to ride in it too. I don't know. I, it flies now. Yeah, it's much more functional. Yeah, it's much more functional. Even like, well, like it magically, like it's very maneuverable at times, and at other times, Doc doesn't know how to fucking land it. Like I have to take it out again and bring it back around. Yeah, whatever. I liked how this time they got to use the fancy doors to knock someone out. That was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, do me a favor. I want you to like really lean over this roof edge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number four was fifties Biff. I don't know, but for some reason, I really enjoyed him a lot more this time. Maybe because he was less like the actual villain and more just like a bumbling idiot who mm-hmm. just like kept having things happen to him. But I thought he was a lot funnier mm-hmm. and like just, I don't know, less of the cartoon bully and more just like an idiot in a funny, weird situation. I don't know. I actually liked him this time more. Like he realized he's in a Roadrunner cartoon. Yeah. He's pissed off about it. Yeah. Well, I think it makes a difference. Seeing... Sorry, good. I was even just seeing more of him like away from Marty, like, reacting to the car getting fixed and, like, the car getting covered in manure again and, like, yelling at the grandma from outside. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think it makes a difference seeing him just, like, what was this character doing, like, the rest of the time during the first movie? You know, like, what is a day in the life of Biff like? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, what do we got? Number four. My yeah. number four is Old Biff. Uh, Old Biff is apparently a little bit wiser, or a little bit wily at least. He realizes dumb self is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, his scheme was pretty good for the most part. I think if only, only he didn't only... have to rely on himself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the only flaw in his plan is uh, himself. <laughs> the only person who can screw this up is us. <laughs> so true it hurts um my number three is doc brown and when i watched as a kid like there was that part of me who like wanted a doc brown to come in my life and like take me away in time traveling adventures and now i just look at him with like either distrust or i just don't have confidence in his mastery of what he's doing very wishy-washy he's very wishy-washy but it's i wanted marty to be like how do you know that how can you can you prove that to me? And then I read somewhere in the like the trivia that like Carl Sagan called up Robert Zemeckis and told him that this was like the most accurate depiction of the logic of time travel ever. And I was like, for the first time in my life, I really <laughs> harmfully disagree with Carl Sagan because some of this time travel just seems bonkers to me. Really? What like what? Well, just old Biff coming back to to regular 2015 future. Well, he like, exists outside the timeline at that point. I guess I'm still, but I'm still, I'm also carrying over just the, like, Marty is in the new future at the end of the first movie and does not remember, per se. I almost kind of thought it would be interesting if there was, like, a an altered future, or altered 1985 Marty who was there. Like, two of them, yeah. Yeah, like, two of them. Like, he just happened to be over at Jennifer's place that night or up at the cabin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um yeah so. so the moral of this podcast is we want more clones <laughs> just infinite <laughs> marty's running around okay. yeah yeah um my number three was also doc mostly almost exclusively because of the scene when he talks to himself at the clock tower i don't know why but i really really <laughs> liked it most like what he was, when he was just like oh you're sharing it with me in a three-fourths wrench right. i don't know it was just like a funny way of them like avoiding eye contact and like but having this weird like knowledge of each other, it was fun. I mean, otherwise, have... I don't trust him for a second in this movie because it's all out for his own game at the mental institution. Right. You, I mean, it's almost better if you if you look at that scene as they're well aware of who each other is, right? Yeah. And they're just they're just not acknowledging it because at first I was like, look him in the fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you recognize that hair too, like how many people have that hair? Come on. Yeah. yeah seriously. Really. My number three is the hoverboard. Uh, you know, the the pink Mattel one. I mean, that thing's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Easily a, a top character in this movie, I think. There's and a I love that he keeps remember. it. I mean, that, that's what's so fun about it is that he, he keeps it and takes it back to the past with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My number two is is Marty. Uh, there are so many issues that I have with Marty. There's so many complaints. Just the utter fragility of his ego, his masculinity that's not explored by anyone. I mean, like I... That bothers me, but some of the stuff when he goes back to the fifties, I kind of like the everyman quality of it's. It was kind of reminded me of the comedy bit where it's like you you bend over to like pick up your hat and you end up kicking it forward, you know, and mm-hmm. you just keep doing that forever. I kind of like how just that the fifties stuff just kept going and going and going, like you could never quite escape it. Um, and then yeah, just the final like defeat of Biff with the pink hoverboard in the fifties was cool. Um, Marty was also my number two. Uh, for me, it's because I really liked how in the 50s this time he got to like, there was a bunch of scenes of him just like 
looking like happy and like appreciating what was happening around him. Mm-hmm. Like when he watched his dad punch Biff again, when he watched his parents kiss the first time again, I feel like because this time he wasn't like, he didn't have a stake in it. He was just like observing it. And he was like, I don't know. He was like, seemed like genuinely happy. Like, Oh look, my parents are still in love. Like it was mm-hmm. nice. It's gotta be nice when time travel will allow you to actually stop and smell the roses. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, You're not I'm... too busy trying to solve a paradox. Now I'm really curious about your guys' number one, because uh, my number two is Doc Brown. Hmm. Um, I mean, Doc is, he's super, like, he's all over the place in this movie. He's, he wants to time travel, then he doesn't, and then he's going to kill the time machine. But I uh, I love that scene of him explaining alternate universes, so I, I give him number two just for that. I'm kind of curious what your guys' number one is, because mine is a bit unorthodox, I'll grant you. And you've both mine already... is one that you both ranked extremely low, so I'm very self-conscious. Okay. I was going to say, you both, ranked, you both ranked mine already, and you, I think you did it at a reasonable place. My number one is Jennifer, because the movie sure as fuck isn't putting hers number one. <laughs> um, and I'm just, like, I, I think you touched on something so interesting, Benji, which is, like, what kind of weird fucking dreams could she have of this? Like, what is she actually learning? Because she might very well be learning the real lessons of this when, if she could only overhear Lorraine saying, this is why I think Jennifer really married him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't, I I feel like her her journey, like, through that house is so much more interesting to me than some of the stuff with whatever Marty potentially learns in the cafe 80s diner. So, I don't know. I, I just wish that they had worked Jennifer into this more. Well, also, like, they didn't zap her memory of that, right? They only zapped her memory of, like, getting in the DeLorean. So, technically, she should still remember everything that happened in the house. Well, what kind of fucking nightmare did she wake up to in that future house? Exactly. But now she doesn't remember how she got there, but she's just there. <laughs> yeah. It'd be yeah. really funny if at the end of part three, like, when they come back to her, she's just like, yeah, we got to break up. <laughs> Or she's the mental institution now. She yeah. doesn't know what's real. Yeah. She's like, I have she's holes the, in my memory. She is the wife in Inception where she can't tell what's real or what's or what's not anymore. Ooh, yeah. The third wow. movie, it's just played by Marianne Cotillard in a weird wig. Exactly. <laughs> um, my number one is Sideways 80s Lorraine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. You guys hated her. I think she's the secret hero of the movie. Because... In the brief times we see of her, she is sacrificing more than anyone should ever sacrifice to protect her children. And I think we should give her credit for it. Because we basically find out that this blackmails him into staying with her by threatening her kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's miserable, and he forced her to have surgery she doesn't want, and he's forcing her to have this terrible life she doesn't want, and he killed her husband. And she is doing everything she has to do to protect her children, and I think she should be recognized. You're absolutely right. Uh, I feel like it we didn't hate her. We hated the character assassination of her. Um, my fan fiction is just that like night two of their marriage, Lorraine shoots Biff and it's just like, <laughs> he attacked me. Well, so, um, interesting. You mentioned that. I don't know if they actually filmed this or if it's just in the script at one point, but it was supposed to be that in, I think 1996, she shoots and kills Biff, uh, at some point, you know, in the middle between the present and future which is why he disappears when he comes back to the future, the old Biff, because he, he was Ooh. dead at that point. I so love that. eventually, alternate Lorraine, Lorraine has had enough, and she kills See, her I, husband. That doesn't surprise me either. And even how she, like, when she does stand up to him, it's to, like, protect uh, George's memory. Like, she's still very strong, and she's just trying to protect her family. She's like, I will kill you and every fucking one of your clones to the end of time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I had totally forgotten that there was like George was still there, but then it died. Like I was like, wait, like are her genes so strong that she had a kid with Biff and it looks exactly like Michael J. Fox still. <laughs> yeah, it was weird that he called him your father. Like she would mm-hmm. she would she would said it she would never say that. That'd be like your stepfather slash just Biff. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh so my number one's Marty McFly, obviously. Hmm. Uh, I mean it's his movie. I He's such a central character, and I think he's a little better than in the first movie, I would say. He's a little more aware, not as much of a heel. I mean, he's not actively trying to, like, set up, like, fake rape attempts this time, so. I mean, Michael J. Fox is, in one way or another, like, in every scene of this movie, right? Pretty much. Sometimes more than once, yeah. 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 Even when he's, like, playing his own daughter, yeah. Would you say he was more or less heavy this time? (laughs) He says this is heavy constantly in this movie. Yeah, yeah. They're really trying to make that happen. Like four years later, it's like, no, this slang is really going to work. I will never forget the the nerdiest moment of, of Glee I had when uh, like Lost Season 5 came out and somebody had a caption of Daniel Faraday like talking to Pierre Chang and they captured it with, that's heavy, Doc. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. <laughs> I do feel like I take some of the uh, effects work for granted in this movie. Like all these shot, all these scenes of like young and old Biff. Like in my mind, I'm just like, ah, oh, those are two different actors. But like, it really wasn't. That was like super trick shots and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Was that like super common in the '80s at that point? That kind of stuff. I don't know. This was apparently pretty cutting edge. Um, it's basically they just shot the scene twice. I think is what they did. Like you know shoot it with one on one side and then shoot it again with the guy on the other side and put them together. Right. I mean, I feel like this kind of stuff would potentially lead to like the, the wink of eye and like social network. The parent trap. Yeah. The parent trap. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that was back to the future too. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, I just want to give props to the actors of this movie because they had to play the same characters in a hundred different ways, a mm-hmm. hundred <laughs> different times. Mm-hmm. Like, how many versions of Lorraine did she have to play? <laughs> and every time it's like, okay, Lorraine, you're older, and now you're talking like the weirdest granny voice. Mm-hmm. And now you're older and you're an alcoholic again. This time you're an even more sad alcoholic than last time. It's <laughs> the darkest possible timeline. <laughs> the difference is, like, the alcohol you're drinking. <laughs> and the size of your boobs. Yeah. I, uh, you know, though, like I said, I, I could be proven a hundred percent wrong because it's been a long time since I've seen it. I saw Back to the Future Part Three in the theater. I vividly remember it. I remember enjoying it. Um, and I have to say, watching the trailer, except for the fact that they, like you said, they cut in that present day Marty and Jennifer kissing, which is stupid. Like it looked like a fun movie to me again. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to tackling that one. I don't know. I'm, um, a, I'm a bit worried. I think I only saw that one once, and I did not like it. <laughs> and like I said, I'm I'm fully prepared to because this one I went into remembering that I liked it, but really not remembering a whole lot about it. So I don't know if I dislike this movie at all. It's just it's a bit rough in places. So I don't I don't know what I'm thinking. I feel like I, like you, like you said last time, Benji. I feel like I'm traveling back in time to my own childhood, and this time I'm watching George and Lorraine dance, and I don't know if it's good or not. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Before this, I thought that I always say part two is my favorite, but now, like, no, part one is definitely mm-hmm. my favorite. <laughs> I just want to say, like, the the last forty minutes of part two is my favorite because you get all the good stuff from part one in there, or most That's of true. it. You know? <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us again, Samantha. Yes, thank you yeah. so much. And next week we'll be doing part three. Until then, have a good one. <laughs>